Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, a stress relief guide, speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast, and I have a a free gift for you. So just quickly pop over to sandyfowler.com and grab my free lesson on finding calm. It includes two stress relief techniques that you or your kids can do no matter how busy you are. Our conversation today is with Jill and Dave Henry. Jill and Dave coached high school sports for a number of years, and with every graduating class, they fielded their student-athletes' concerns about the transition to college. And they were looking at it, and they thought, you know, we should put something together for these kids. So, like, well, let's put together a little guide to help them out. And as they worked on it, they very soon discovered that there was no way to make a little guide. And someone jokingly made a comment, you should write a book. So they did. It's the greatest college health guide you never knew you needed. And as I was chatting with them before the show, I said, it's the greatest life health guide you know you never needed. So even if you don't think your kids will read it, I highly recommend it for you. You can skip the piece about binge drinking and Greek life, but the rest of it is pure gold. And today they are going to chat with us, sharing some tips on you know, what kids should be looking for when they're heading off to college, how we can help our kids who are coming home over break, and also helping our high school kids because they need to be prepared for some very big changes, whether they're going to college or moving out on their own, they're suddenly responsible for themselves. So Dave, Jill, thanks for joining us and welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. We've been having a great conversation and I love all the work that you guys have done, all the research, the talking to people. As you were talking to the college students, I am curious what they were saying about the challenges that they face, you know, being out on their own and and specifically to the college environment. So one of the, one of the things that came through loud and clear in the survey responses, because in writing the book, we talked to hundreds of current students from all different years in college. So freshmen to seniors and some recent grads. And one of the the notions that was coming through from juniors, seniors, and recent grads was this idea that they're led to believe the narrative is that college is the best four years of your life. And so they go into school with these expectations that it's going to be just fun and partying and independence and freedom And that freedom in particular is really what they're looking forward to. What they find that when they get there is that it's really hard. The adjustment to that freedom is really hard. And the structures that had kept them in control of their time when they were in high school between the school day and then sports and time with their parents, they have a very regimented day when they're in high school. When you remove all of that, refilling that time is much more of a challenge than they anticipated. And so You know, again, the idea that it's the best four years almost puts pressure on them a little bit because when they struggle with that freedom, they almost feel like a, you know, a guilt or a failure. Um, But in reality, that's a very common thing, that adjustment, and it takes some practice and from, you know, seeing the kids either a little education about it or just some time to get used to managing your time and putting together a schedule and placing some rules for yourself so that you can you know, put it all together, the academic stress and the social stress. And uh, it's it's a learning curve for sure. And I think that 
the juniors, the seniors, the recent grads reflecting back on it had wished that they had known that a little bit better, um, had wished that they had been more prepared for that reality. Well, and conversely, that's what freshmen students were saying they looked forward to the most. Right. What's right. the thing you're most excited about in going to college? And it's the freedom. I get to get right. away from my home and I get to go to a new place and define myself as this is who I want to be. And these are, this is the direction that I want to go in. Right. So you have this situation where you're so excited for this idea of autonomy, of independence, of freedom. And yet that also presents the largest challenge. Right. Once they've gone through four years, they realize that that was the largest adjustment. It wasn't just that I no longer have a sports practice after school to force me to work out and I've got to figure out how to replace that but they've also lost the social structures of their friends of their coaches of their family and so finding ways to keep themselves busy and motivated and on top of the things that they need to be on top of while having a good time the best four years of their <laughs> yeah, lives yeah. uh it is a tall task for anybody and so that transition of going from I've spent 18 years building this life in this community that I'm now leaving to I'm now on my own and this is all on me was the largest challenge that we saw these kids going through that they could use some help with. How do you take all of those uh, different facets of your life and create a rule system for yourself, create a life for yourself that you can manage, not a template that uh, somebody hands you but learn the skills to do this on your own so that it lasts. And I think back to my own experience and even 30 years ago when I think that there was less pressure, less pressure, less happening in the school I went to, I had a couple built-in advantages that I didn't even realize it especially hit home when I was reading your book. One, it was a very academically focused school. Nobody partied during the week. Nobody went out during the week. You studied for Sunday morning, everyone was in the library, Friday night, Saturday night, people went out, they partied, they did whatever, and, you know, hanging out, doing road trips, whatever. The other thing is, we were in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, we were very isolated, there wasn't any place to go. So you stayed in town and a lot of the entertainment was getting outdoors, going camping, doing things like that. And I didn't realize how much of a safety net that had built in. And yet still my freshman year. Yeah. I remember 10 o'clock chem lecture too early in the morning. I can't get up for that. After a month of doing that, I was so lost. I never recovered fully. Yeah. It, 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 it's a challenge to adjust to uh, that level of autonomy where nobody's forcing you to do all of these things and finding self-motivation, finding a reason that you want to do these things can take longer for some people than, than others. And so whatever you can do to try and prepare yourself for that situation will obviously be beneficial for, for kids going off to college. As you were talking about this initially, one of the thoughts came to me is, oh, okay, so our freshmen are most excited about that freedom. So parents of teenagers, especially juniors and seniors, and, and, and most especially seniors, that's a conversation we can have, you know, Hey, you're going to be going to college or like I said, any, anything that you're moving out of the house on your own, doing some other post-secondary ed, but you know, you're going to be out, you're going to be on your own. Are you excited about that freedom? What does that mean to you? What do you think you're going to do with that? And, and just ask 
some questions, be interested in how they're going to manage that. Right. What suggestions do you guys have for having that conversation? I think one of the the best things that parents can motivate a conversation for and students can do, it's not too late now, but it's great if it happens even before they get to college, is thinking about what are the things that make them genuinely happy and proud of themselves. I think talking about intrinsic rewards with kids versus extrinsic and extrinsic being you know, the praise and grades and gifts and um, things that are like tangible rewards. And to what Dave was talking about, whenever kids are establishing a rule set for themselves or a structure for themselves to deal with that freedom, it's really important that they identify the things that just make them feel good for showing up. Um, So whether that's you know, when I work really hard at my academics, when I get up on a Sunday and I don't have to, cause all my other friends are sleeping, but I get up at nine and I go to the library and I study like that makes me feel really good about myself. And I think students can already start identifying that, that in high school, what are the things that relieve stress or what are the things that make you feel productive or what are the things that make you just feel happy? Um, but we don't often prompt kids to slow down and think about that. I don't even think as adults, a lot of people necessarily could could rattle off a list of 10 things that make them reset. But I think we all have them. It's just a matter of digging in and taking a minute. And, you know, this was actually motivated when I was pregnant with my first kid. One of my best friends said, I want you to write a list of 10 things. Some of them can take five minutes. Some of them could take two hours. It doesn't matter. There's no rules. Um, but 10 things that will just help you like recharge, reset, whatever, and put it on your fridge. And when you're feeling overwhelmed, go to that list or have Dave remind you to go to that list and sort of pick something. And this is a a tool that we've recommended to a lot of the kids that we work with um, to have on their phone and to share with their parents, because when that independence can feel overwhelming, it's really valuable to have a way to reset. And it's also valuable to just know, oh, these are the things that always make me feel good. So at any point, these are options of things that I can put into my day regularly or weekly, um, you know, whatever the case. But but building that skill set of knowing what are your resets, what are the things that make you feel good, that's, a, that's an easy, an active way to get ahead of managing that independence. And there's also a wonderful time frame after high school graduation, Mm. before they arrive on campus, where they've had the structure of school removed, many of them the structure of sports removed. And so for the first time in their lives, they have this kind of untethered, unbroken free time that they, yes, they might have a job. Yes, they might have an internship. Yes, they might be doing some things during the summer that require, you know, a schedule outside of their own um, control but they will have more time than they've ever had before, typically. And so we encourage parents and students to use that time before you go off to campus to add one new habit. We're not saying change your life and go, uh, you know, completely in the other direction of now I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to be a completely different person. Just add one thing. If, If you're going to go for a walk every day, at the same time, just the practice of putting something new in place that you did not used to do before will help you develop that skill, which is I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to stick to it. Mm. And if I do it for long enough, 
it's going to take. Whether that's exercise, whether that's the way that you decide you want to eat, whether that's how you manage your time or manage your stress, all of those things will come in handy. It's like your, um, it's it's your life preserver when you're on your own. You know, you need these things that will help you stay focused, stay moving in the direction that you want to move. So don't set yourself up for for failure by saying I'm going to completely change who I am. Nobody does that, and <laughs> and it doesn't last. No, right. So pick one thing and try and stick with that one thing, and then if you can do that you'll learn a whole lot about yourself in the process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I think just to piggyback on that, it doesn't need to be the hardest thing. In fact, I think we recommend in the book to be the easiest thing, the thing that's least intimidating for you and most exciting. And that could be as simple as just drinking more water. There's no rules for what it is. It's just the idea of practicing putting something in place that is good for you, that you don't have to do, but you're choosing to do. Um, That's a skill set that takes time to develop. And it's the earlier you start it, um, you know, the, the stronger it'll be when you really need it, when you're in college and feel like you're drowning a little bit. Yeah. And moving backwards to the high school years, I'm just a quick reminder to us parents, let them take on as much personal responsibility as possible. I remember going to orientation for my oldest and the kids were off doing whatever. So they were chatting with us parents and they asked how many, these are seniors who have already chosen their school. This is orientation. They're going to be going here in, you know, six months. Right. Now, how many people are still waking their kids up in the morning for school? And it's not that this was some intrinsically awful thing to do. It's just that our kids need to develop the skill of being responsible, thinking ahead, what time do I need to get up? How much time do I need to get ready? And then actually getting themselves out of bed because otherwise, Hey, 10 o'clock come lecture. Oh no. Well, (laughs) you're not going to do well in this class. And, and those are things that as parents, you know, here, my parent, we talk about this all the time, but here's a quick check-in, you know, what am I doing for my kid that they could be doing for themselves? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, one of the simple things, um, again, we work with athletes and, and I coach cross country running. And so one of the things we talk about early in the season is nutrition, sports, nutrition, and fueling an athlete's body. And, um, you know, I think having that conversation with kids allows them to take a little bit more ownership over what they eat. And so I have girls who had never, for instance, packed their own lunch before made their own breakfast that are now doing that and feel so much pride that they are making choices for themselves about that. And that's just a small thing, packing their own lunch for school um, and giving them the responsibility of figuring out what's a healthy meal and what's a meal that makes me feel good in the afternoon um, versus one that doesn't. And it's not to say that they won't have some, you know, like I, I, again, I, I coach and in the afternoon we run, there are kids who are still eating burgers and fries for lunch and feel terrible during our workout. But I think that's all part of the process of learning about how your body feels and taking note of what's working and what, what isn't. And so you make a great point. It's like giving them the freedom to explore and um, fail a little bit and then learn from that is really valuable. And I think more that parents can encourage that and sort of take off the, the training wheels, so to speak in high school, when everything else is controlled really helps them because then it's not so much to manage all at once. Um, and we'll make that transition a lot easier. Well, and I think your book actually, well, it's not what you were intending. I think it kind of gives parents an outline. Here are topics to touch on through the teen years and and in age appropriate ways, even 
tween and in younger kids. Sure. But these are topics to, to talk about. These are discussions and, and everything you do, the nutrition, the stress. I was so impressed with how well you covered it. And yet it's covered in a way that's not intimidating, that we can all understand very, very easy steps that we can take. So there's kind of a roadmap there that we can yeah. follow. What I was thinking about though is, okay, our our college freshmen in particular, but our college kids are going to be coming home. They're going to be coming home for Thanksgiving and they're going to be coming home for Christmas. As a parent, are there things we should kind of be on the lookout for? Are there things that we might see that we should ignore things that we see and we go, Oh, we should do something like what kind of, what is our role at this time to help them as they go back for their second semester? Well, what's, what's challenging about that portion of time is that it's so short that window that they come home for Thanksgiving that window that they come home for Christmas is obviously a little longer gives you a little bit more time to observe behavior um, and I think that's probably to to put that added pressure on every parent of your kids are home for 72 hours <laughs> you know make sure that you know you're you're there for them to support them that you, and, and make sure that they know that you love them and also you know be a detective and a sleuth and, <laughs> and that that there's a there's a lot that that's such a charged portion of time um that it, it, it might not be possible in order to uh diagnose whether or not your child is doing well um, but one of the things that I remember personally about that time and that I've had some conversations with some former athletes that have come home is that there's this kind of window of, of reacclimating to home life um, before all of that pressure can settle and then you might be able to have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. And so if there are things that parents want to ask about how is your experience going, uh, the likelihood of getting an honest, raw answer one that's uh could potentially be vulnerable will not happen the second that they walk through the door right and so having some kind of icebreaker set up for parents uh for kids when they come home so that you can do things that are familiar that are comfortable that are rooted in spending time together that you might then want to save some of those more serious talks for how are you doing how are your friends doing are you making friends you know, those those conversations are are emotionally charged. And if you've laid some tracks in terms of just getting some regular back and forth communication going first, then the likelihood that you might be able to have a connection on, on one of those topics, I think, goes up. And I think you hit on something really important right at the beginning of that, Dave. You said this is kind of a charged time and you want to do all these things. And I think the most important thing is to just let your kids know when they come home, you still love them. Mm. You accept them. They may have changed. They, they may have picked up new habits. They may have gained weight. They may have shaved their head, cut their hair, dyed it green, whatever they did. Just letting them know that you love and care about them, who they are as they are, is a huge advantage. I've talked to kids who came home and, you know, one woman I talked to, she's like, yep, I came home. I'd gained my 15 pounds. I was smoking like a chimney and my dad was just disgusted with me. And that's not opening the door for these conversations. Who's going to be vulnerable with someone who is just, who you feel like is disgusted by you. So I think, especially Thanksgiving, if it's, you know, just a few days, just 
be with them, love them. And I, and I love your idea, Dave, about setting up activities where you're spending time together to just, to just be together, to have a few intentional times, but not expect all of their time. Um, over Christmas, I think is a time where we usually have a little more time and, and vulnerable conversations are great. And even if our kids aren't, and we're just seeing things and we're concerned, it's okay to just let them know and take that pressure off yourself again. You're not going to fix them. Well, you're not ever going to fix them. Anything that is bothering them, they have to do themselves. Yeah. But if there's something wrong that you're going to be helping them with, there's a good chance it's not going to get fixed in two to four weeks. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that too, because the I think the important word is expectations for, for parents. Understanding that if, if our children are exhibiting behaviors that we find, you know, scary, or if we feel like they've changed in a way where we so desperately want to change them back to the, the person that we know, and that, how are you so different? You've only been gone for this amount of time, that the likelihood of you being able to course correct and redirect them within that portion of time is not realistic. And that if your kids do come home, and if they are completely different than how you remember, um, you said exactly what I think these parents need to do, which is just let them know that you are there for them, mm -hmm. that you are a safe space that they can come to at any point in time. And the second you start putting on the doctor and the psychiatrist and the personal trainer hat and all these other things, you're, you're no longer um, fulfilling the number one role, which <laughs> is support, right? And that if you ultimately want the outcome, the desired outcome of I want my child to change again positively in a direction that I feel like is, is best for them, that your support will be the thing that can help them come to that totally. decision on their own, that it's not anything that can be forced upon them. Well, and I'll, I would jump on that because actually we start the book basically being like, we're going to lay out you know, a tips and roadmap and sort of talk you through all the elements that will impact your health. But the only way any of it's going to land is if you want it, um, you know, and, and I think the, the language we use in there is uh, profane, uh, profane, but, um, I, but the idea is essentially, you know, it's a kid's own motivation to change. That's going to make them change. It's not the pressure that the parent's going to put on. And I think to our earlier conversation, about getting them to wake up on their own or make their own lunch. Um, what parents can do is just remind them that it's possible to change if they're not feeling good about certain elements mm -hmm. of the way that they've established their life in that first semester of college, that all it takes is that desire to make some adjustments. Um, and that alone is enough to put them in the right direction. And so I don't think, unless students are asking for it, parents don't need to have the answers. It's as Dave said, they just provide the support and the encouragement and the reminder that, hey, if you're not feeling good about the way you're sleeping or the way you're eating or the way you're socializing, whatever, all that all all that you need is just an awareness of it and a willingness to put in the work. And I, as a parent, I'm here to help if you need it. Um, but there are resources. I mean, our book is one of them, but there are a lot of resources that can put kids on the right path or give them some direction should they feel like they need it. Um, but the awareness piece and the reminder that like for any of us, for all of us, when you fail, when you don't feel good, when you feel like you're going in the wrong direction, um, all you got to do is, you know, be mindful of that and then be willing to put in a little bit of work to course correct. 
And that's a that's a powerful notion that it's starting over is not impossible. Um, and it's a it's a pretty necessary and natural part of every person's life. And the sooner that kids acknowledge that and drop any shame about it and judgment about it, um, the easier their college experience will be. I so agree with that, Jill. And it reminds me too, as you said, you know, just awareness. It it reminds me of a story from Wayne Dyer where he talked about how their family had done an intervention for his daughter who was using drugs. And later on, he learned about a tribal village where what they did when someone did something that the community didn't like, wasn't good for them, rather than our interventions where we get everybody together and say, this is what you're doing that's hurting us. They said every single thing this person had done that was good, all of the wonderful qualities they have. People would just share stories about times that they were kind or times that they helped or think times that they were funny, all the good things about them. And I kind of feel like that's part of what we can do is just in the background, quietly be reminding them through sharing stories or pointing it out when they do it now. It, you know, if they're feeling like a failure, we can point out little successes that they have when they're home, not in a pointed, I'm telling you this kind of a way, just in a natural conversational way. Like, oh my gosh, remember the time that you were with my daughter? One of them was, remember that when you guys were in high school and your teacher went out on leave and it was a math math class and they couldn't find a math teacher and the teacher they got couldn't teach you guys anything. And she'll pick it up and we'll start talking about it. She'll be irritated. And then she's like, yeah. But she goes through the story of how the kids worked together, pulled together and figured it out. And then it reminds her that she can do that. So I think that being there, being supportive, reminding them. Um, and Dave, you mentioned the idea, you know, if you see things that we are concerned about, there are some things that happen that do require us to say something. Uh, one of my girls got pulled into an active suicide situation when she was in college, a friend of a friend. And she got dragged into it and that was horrible for her. And then she had a friend of hers was actually saying things that led the kids to believe that they may have been suicidal. So she had to decide, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Went to the counselor. Those things impacted her deeply and heavily. And when she was home over Christmas break, I saw differences. I saw things and what I did in the moment was what we're talking about here, letting her know she's loved, just saying, hey, I see this and I'm here for you. And eventually she opened up a little bit. And so we just talked about it. And, you know, what can you do when you go back? What are your options? And she decided she would go talk to a counselor at school and then don't push it. Just kind of keep in touch. And when they come home for the summer, you have that opportunity again. But I think it's taking our time and being wise and careful about those discussions. Um, what about grades and report cards and all of that? Because right, those hit during break. What do you what have you guys learned about dealing with that? I think the you know resounding message to parents um, from people who work in colleges and higher ed have basically been like, this is their this is their world now. This is their academics. This is their path towards career. Um, you've got to let them sink or swim. And I think parents, again, can encourage their kids to, you know, be reflective about the practices they're taking that are causing them to be productive or not. Um, and to piggyback on that, the number one 
source of stress for students is academics. 88% feel like this crushing academic. Um, they, they describe it as, you know, I think it was like 60% describe the stress as traumatic. Um, but 88% of college students, according to the National College Health Assessment, are just overwhelmed by all they have to do. That said, all of them, not all of them, but it was like 80% of those who are saying that say that the number one reason that they are feeling stressed about their academics is because they procrastinate. And so they can pinpoint that even though they have a lot to do, they, they know they're not managing their time the, in the best way that they could. Um, and so I think there is a there is more self-awareness there than we might give them credit for. Um, but in terms of grades, it's it's giving them the freedom and the space to figure it out and, you know, having having a moment as a parent to just kind of like let go and realize that they've got to sink or swim and figure it out on their own. And there are great books written that essentially say, you know, parents, we we can't be calling the registrar's office and getting their report cards first. And you know, we can't be emailing professors and letting them know like, oh, well, my student would have done her work, but, or his work, um, but they weren't feeling well, or they would have come to class, but blah, blah, blah. Like students need to start taking responsibility for their own actions before college, hopefully, but particularly in college and they will figure it out. And it might even be a matter of they've got to change majors because the stuff that they're working on, they just genuinely are not passionate about. And that is part of the reason they're not putting in the effort. There are a million reasons why students are procrastinating in college, um, but it's on them to figure out what what is the root cause of it? And it's on them to course correct. This is the beginning of the rest of their lives. And so developing that skill set, um, that toolkit of managing their time and their, you know, the pressures that they feel, um, they've got to start, you know, they've got to start doing that on their own. And I think there's a really important detail that can be lost in that data, which is that if 80% of students are procrastinating and 88% are feeling the pressure of academics in a way that it's affecting them, right? That it's universal. Yes. That this isn't yes. a, you are needing a change. You are failing. You are this, but this is a collective issue that everybody needs to go through. And so specifically from a parenting standpoint, if it's less of a conversation about what you need to do right. and more of a conversation about what all of college freshmen, sophomores, juniors are up against in right. terms of this is a very challenging time in your life and recognizing that. That was some of the feedback that we got in our survey from seniors that they wish they had received that touches back on what Jill said earlier about this being the best four years of their lives, what they wish they had heard is that this is going to be hard. Yeah. And that's okay. And that is a powerful sentiment for somebody to be taking with them as they go off to college, rather than you're going to sink or swim, you're going to pass or fail, but you are going to be responsible for all of these decisions. It's that we all go through this. Right. And yes, you can do it too. And, and I should clarify what I said before. It's on the kids, but that doesn't mean they're alone. There are resources um, to help them. There are people on campus whose job it is to help them manage their time, manage their stress. Um, so all I meant is that, you know, it's, it's, it should be the responsibility of the student to start seeking these things out. And parents can certainly remind them that resources exist. And in, in dire situations, 
absolutely at times need to intervene. Um, but just because it's, you know, their responsibility does not mean that they need to white knuckle themselves into, you know, their new life. There are, there are people and networks to support them in the college environment. And so just encouraging them to look for those when they need them, like you were saying with your daughter in the counseling center, uh, is, a, is, is a really valuable reminder for them that you know, they don't have to feel so isolated, that the college environment is a new community of people. Um, and it's, it's hope is, you know, their goal is to help students out. So it's, again, as we've talked about before, it's helping them learn to find the answers, which is finding resources on campus. And I'm, and I'm going back to taking all this and looking at it in terms of grades and things. We're also making the assumption in this piece of the conversation that the grades maybe weren't what we wanted. Right, so, you know, sure. when they come in and we go, yeah, and like you said, they get them now. So we do have to ask, right? Yeah. What did you get? How did that go? So that leads into, you're already asking questions. How do you feel about that? What do you think about that? And just take the conversation from there, but it really should just really be questions on our part, not leading questions, coaching questions, right? There's a flip side to that. And that is the kids who do really well, even getting all A's. I still believe we have to ask them, how do you feel about that? And if they just say, oh, I feel really good. Why? What about that? Because it goes back to that pressure, that stress, like, are they just doing this out of pressure, stress and drive, or are they doing it because they're passionate about it? They enjoy it. They get it. And this is how they want to spend their time. Are they getting all A's because they are not doing anything else? They haven't made friends because they don't have time. They have no activities. They have no social life, which we all need to be happy and healthy. Right. So I, I think that all ties into that conversation. And I had one last quick question for you guys. What do you think is the, um, I guess, your favorite thing that you heard in talking to kids, like when they shared what kind of tips and advice they had for other college students, what was kind of your favorite bit of advice from them to share? Um, well, I'll I'll give one very fast about um, about drinking on college campuses that we found very um, heartening. We found very inspiring, and that was a message that was communicated by a few different people that were essentially really scared going into college that they were going to be peer pressured into doing something they didn't want to do, and they felt like from a social standpoint this could be a make or break type situation for them. And they had created entire scenarios in their head uh, that were scary. And what they had found when they got on campus, the first time that somebody asked them, do you want to drink? And they genuinely didn't. And they stood up for themselves and they said, no, thank you. I'm okay. Was that everybody was completely fine with it. And so there was, it was like all the air being let out of a balloon and understanding that if you advocate for yourself, if you stand up for yourself, that people will respect it. And so I think that's a really valuable thing for everybody to take going into college is understanding that if there's, if there are things that you're scared of, or if there are things that you don't want to do, that's not going to determine uh, your friend group for the rest of the college experience and beyond you know, that standing up for yourself is not only possible, but people will find it admirable. And so taking that as a, a, a nugget with them was something that I was like, oh, that's nice. I, I like hearing that, you right. know. 
Yeah, I like that too. All right. So the book is The Greatest College Health Guide You Never Knew You Needed. Where can people get that? It's available on Amazon, um, but it's also in Barnes and Noble, a lot of independent bookstores. So likely wherever you buy books, um, uh, support your local indie if that's something that you can do. But if you need it tomorrow, Amazon is probably the quickest way to get it. Yeah. Well, and it depends too. Like our little local bookstore, they get our books next day. Two days max if you called later in the day. So you you never know about that. And I'll have a link to that as well. Although my links are through bookshop.org to support our indie stores as well. Perfect. (laughs) And thank you both for being here, Dave, Jill, you guys, I, I, again, I'm loving this. It's a great piece of work. And parents, if you're listening, even if your kid's already in college or near the end, as I said, it's good life advice. So stocking stuffers, graduation gifts next year, little shameless plug for my guests. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you for both being here and thank you, mighty parents for being here. Remember you're here, you're listening, you got this, and I will see you next week.